thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I am your co-host, Joe Erado, and with me, as always, is a guy who always eats his Ovaltine, Mike <laughs> Van de Bogard. Oh, thank you, Joe, and thank you to all our loyal, loyal listeners. We are back after a little mini break it's, over it the holidays. It felt like, like months. Yeah, it was, really, was it Was it only like a month? I think our last episode was December like 16th. I, I should know when it was. So a little little less than a month, but almost a month. Yeah, but I think we actually recorded that one like a week or two early. Oh, that's why it feels like us? Yeah. Okay. So, but we're back. Uh, after this, we're recording a fun Patreon or supporter episode with a bunch of voicemails that we've received over the last six, seven months. Yeah, I love that fan tweet. Yeah. <laughs> a skeleton. It's like waiting for another episode of location. It's like, hey, yeah. lucky yeah. you. We're doing it tonight. Yeah, good good tweet timing. Yes. Uh, just before we get going, uh, just a couple announcements. First, we'd like to give a shout out to all of the new Patreon members. So we've got Cambria, Emily Carey, Athena Van, Overshelled, Paul Garcia Jr., Peter Smith, uh, Jordine Lucas, and Angie Baldwin. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you very much. Um, we... We've got a lot of exciting things we'd like to do in 2023. We'll see if if the, the stars align for some of this stuff to happen. I think so, with our growth continuing to grow. Yeah, the growth, 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 to grow. <laughs> now, that's, now it's going to decline. Gonna, <laughs> this episode's going to release. It's going to um, As we always say every episode, if you uh, like us, hate us, have suggestions, um, whatever it is, give us a call at 208-391-6913. Leave a voicemail. And you'll end up on an episode if it's funny or mean enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can also... We help. also put people who just say nice things. Yeah. Yeah, just nice That's compliments. The, the majority we, we like those too. And funny ones. We've <laughs> yeah. gotten some really funny ones. Um, also, we uh, you can help support the show through many different means. You can go to Patreon, YouTube, memberships. Uh, we have a premium subscription on Apple. We also have a store with lots of swag. So check any of those areas out to if you want to help us monetarily. If you know it's you just got done with Christmas, you spent all your money on gifts, you can still help us out for free by telling all of your family and friends about locations unknown. Yep, uh, just get annoying. So you and know, follow us on all the socials. Be like a, a, a Bitcoin bro, but for locations unknown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone uh, who who knows someone into crypto will get that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, finally, a couple announcements. Um, I just want to, we had an AI art contest a couple weeks ago, and I haven't mailed out the swag yet, but that stuff will be going out this month. I also want to apologize to, we actually get a, quite a few emails and messages across the different platforms, and I've been very slow to respond to all of it, you know, <laughs> primarily because of the holidays, but um, if you've emailed us or messaged us and haven't gotten a response, just hang in there. I'll, I'll eventually get to all those. Um, just as Joe and I predicted, 
we <laughs> we had some controversy with uh, Mount San Jacinto. Jacinto. That's how because we keep saying Jacinto. Jacinto. So that's Google's fault. Uh, gentleman on Instagram messaged was, us. Was he mean about it? Or was he nice about it? No, he was cool. He started off about um, loving the podcast. So that's a good way to All start right. off. MT San Jacinto. See, even in Portuguese, they say Jacinto. Let me let me go so, back to uh, English and see what they say. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm no. just saying I have a good reason why we're wrong. I mean, maybe Mount San Jacinto. Yeah. yeah so I mean, we uh, we followed Google and we're obviously wrong. We've had many locals message us. It's this guy on Instagram even spelled it out: ha dash seen dash toe. So S E E N seen ha seen toe. So all right. Uh, probably if, probably will still screw it up. If that's wrong, <laughs> message us again and tell us how we're wrong there. But um, he was so, nice. I trust that guy. Yeah. So. That's the end of my announcements. All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. June 23rd, 2021. A geologist was on a job site with another co-worker in the Sonoran Desert. His co-worker said that during work, he simply looked up into the distance, got into his car, and drove off. Join us this week as we investigate the strange disappearance of Daniel Robinson. So, Mike, before I get into the location, we actually have new news you brought to light that's two days old, a day old. It's that's very recent. Kind um, of related. Yeah. So, actually, skeletal remains have been found in the Sonoran Desert. Um, one place I read about 12 miles from where he initially went missing. Um, so, there's a lot of speculation swirling around that these may belong to Daniel, but uh, his father has already come out and said that it's not Daniel, because um, we'll get into some of the details. But he, some of the items found by, with the skeleton doesn't make sense with um, the stuff that was found in this case. So there hasn't been any DNA analysis yet, so we don't know. Okay, it could turn out to be um, Daniel Robinson, but I just figured right away before we start the episode, we'll make note of that because it's. It just happened. Yeah, and anyone that's listening, I did hear about it. Will just be just wriggling in their chair. Like, are they going to mention it? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, get on with it, Joe. <laughs> okay. So, we're in the Sonoran Desert uh, sublocation. It's near the intersection of Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road. Um, when Mike takes over, you'll see on the screen. I'll be going through some pictures and stuff. Um, it is in Arizona, but the Sonoran Desert spans approximately 100,000 square miles in the southwestern Arizona, southwestern California, most of Baja, California, oh, and I, the western I, half of the state of Sonora, Mexico. Southeastern California. Southeastern, I, sorry. Yeah, my bad. 
Yeah, so it's roughly the same size as South Korea and Iceland. Not together. Just I gave it two independently. Yeah. So there you go. It's like this if you're watching. It's just it's big and, and the paha, you're missing that. Um, oh yeah, I'm not even all the way over. <laughs> so yeah. A uh, lot of sand. Lot of sand. But actually <laughs> there's tundra in the Sonoran Desert. Oh. And tropical biomes. All so right. We'll Joe will get into that. <laughs> uh, uh when was it established, Mike? Around 8 million years ago in the late Miocene period. Um, So it's home to 17 different Native American tribes, uh, home to major cities including Phoenix, uh, which is a metro population of 4.7 million, Tucson with 1 million, uh, Mexicali, Baja, California, 1 million, and Hermosilio, Sonora, I'm going to get yelled at for that one, 900,000, I'm throwing that in the... So a lot of people live in the Sonoran Desert. Hermosilio. Um, is that what what do you think it is before I uh, that sounds good to me. Hermo Hermosilio. Silo. God. You know Google's not right Nora. there. Sonora. Hermosillo Sonora. Hermosillo. I'm not even gonna try that again. I'm gonna Yeah, you that. you get problem you have a problem with the L's. They're yeah, silent. I do. I do. Uh, some interesting facts about the Sonoran Desert. It's home to the only jaguar population in the United States. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just don't assume there'd be any cat species in the desert. Like, out, I just don't know why. But you, because it's such a huge area and there's a lot of different biomes, it does kind yeah. of make sense. Yeah, so just shows how little I know about the Sonoran Desert. Uh, is world, it's world famous for its numerous types of cacti that grow in it, especially the famous Seguro, Seguaro. Seguaro cactus, <laughs> which only grows there. Uh, this tree-like cactus can grow up to 12 meters or 40 feet tall. That is actually really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. Uh, cacti aren't the only plants that grow in this part of the world, as the Sonoran Desert is home to over 2,000 different types of plants based on the landscape and climate of the desert. This is the highest number of plants growing in any desert in the world and is mainly caused by bi-seasonal rainfall. Cool. We got a lot of cool stuff in North America. Yeah, we, we take do. It, it's just we don't think about it because we live here. We so think it's big. everywhere else. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. You really you did this on purpose. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm going to look at it for a second. The, the Drosophilia met Larry. Met Larry. Met Larry. Do you know what it is? No. I mean, I know what it is. I don't know how to say it. Drosophila metleri, better known as the Sonoran Desert Fly. That's what we should have led with. I'm throwing <laughs> this one in here, too, just for fun. Drosophila metleri. Drosophila. Drosophila metleri. Yeah. Better known as the Sonoran Desert Fly, actually managed to find a way to survive the Sonoran Desert using rotting cacti. Its ability to detoxify the liquid spilled by rotting cacti and uses the soil to breed. So it's actually, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's this fly can only live in this part of the world because it has to have um, the special kind of chemicals that come from that specific rotting cactus. That's crazy. And if and it, you know, there's probably some other bird or something that relies on that, that thing. Yeah, yeah. To stay alive. And then something else eats that bird and yeah, all for an area that's pretty much uninhabitable <laughs> unless you have all these very special traits. Yeah. Uh, alongside the oasis in the Colorado desert, one of the sections of the Sonoran Desert grows the only native palm in California. This palm is called California fan palm uh, or the Washington- Washingtonia filifera, filifera <laughs> and grows up to 15 to 20 meters or 49 to 66 feet tall and 3 to 6 meters or 10 to 20 feet wide. 
we're introducing meters for our foreign audience. Yes. Uh, you can be fined $10,000 for transplanting that tree. I'm not going to say Saguaro. Saguaro without a proper license. Arizona's protected plants law. Uh, the Sonoran Desert receives more rainfall than any other desert. It receives approximately 10 inches a year on average due to its proximity to the ocean. The eastern part of the Sonoran Desert, the Baja area, receives 10 to 12 inches. That's really cool. I didn't know all those things about the desert yeah. there. You don't even think about the Sonoran Desert. I don't. I, mean, I don't think about a lot of deserts. I, guess, yeah, <laughs> I think about the African one because it used to be a tropical rainforest yeah. way back. So that's always cool to me. Um, climate. So Sonoran Desert is an arid subtropical climate, as you could have guessed. But interspersed between the Mojave and the Chihuahuan, we, this is another one, Chihuahuan. Uh, People that hate our pronunciation are really going to have a hard time with this episode. We, we are losing. We have to put all. a trigger warning at the beginning. I don't care. <laughs> I always say that, but I laugh. Chihuahuan. Chihuahuan. Chihuahua. Chihuahua. I, I'm, I Chihuahuan. That's, I know. And I'm so bad at it because I'm trying to think and talk, and I'm not smart enough to do both. <laughs> uh, the Sonoran Desert receives the frequent low-intensity winters uh, in December-January rains of the former, as well as the violent summer of July and August, or monsoon thunderstorms of the latter. Winter precipitation occurs when a low-pressure uh, tro- uh, trough. Th- trough develops over the western United States, pushing the prevailing Pacific storm tracks south over the Sonoran Desert. Annual precipitation in the Sonoran Desert averages from 76 to 500 millimeters, or 3 to 20 inches, depending on the location, with substantial inner and intra-annual variability in timing and quantity. Precipitation is typically much higher with elevation due to the orographic effects of the sky islands with sizable portions occurring at snowfall as snowfall. Interesting. I, I had to put, I put this in here just so people know. I didn't know what it was. What the orographic effect yeah. is. The orographic effect creates deserts by ensuring that the leeward slopes of a mountain range always experience very little precipitation. Or the orographic effect is the phenomenon which mountain ranges force an air mass to gain altitude. So I always thought that was rain shadow. Is that just like the official word for rain shadow? I don't know, but basically it just forces warmer, moist air higher in elevation and it gets colder and causes rain. It shoots the clouds up so they can't go across and drop water. They just drop on the top of the mountain and they're out of water. Yep. Uh, So the Sonoran is a hot desert. Summer air temperatures routinely exceed 40 degrees Celsius or 104 degrees Fahrenheit and often reach 118 degrees Fahrenheit or 48 degrees Celsius. These high near-surface temperatures interact with cool, moist air in the atmosphere to produce violent thunderstorms of the summer monsoons. As moisture on the soil surface and near-surface air evaporate following a storm, temperatures may drop to 50 degrees or 10 degrees Celsius. This is crazy. I didn't know this. That's cold. 50 degrees Fahrenheit in minutes. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's a, a 50% reduction swing in <laughs> yeah. minutes. That's insane. You would feel, like, that would feel really weird. Yeah. I, <laughs> that would, Yes, it would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Winter temperatures are mild, with valley bottoms typically free of frost, while the surrounding mountains may have dense snow cover at higher elevations. In north and east aspects, during any season, uh, dernal swings of 15 degrees Celsius or 59 degrees Fahrenheit are more uh, or more are common. As dry atmosphere and relatively low vegetation cover facilitate re-radiation of daytime heat into the atmosphere overnight. Deserts are cool. They are cool. They seem so arid and, and 
like pointless. <laughs> yeah. But like they're like it's I remember I was watching uh or it was like Earth at Night. It was a Netflix and they go over like the different uh ecosystems at night and the stuff that deserts do when it gets dark out is insane. Yeah, it is it is cool. I the only hike I've really done in a desert environment was Canyonlands <clears throat> where you almost died. Where I almost died. <laughs> um but I would love to get I would love to see like Death Valley. Yeah. Um a lot of these places. Oh, when we take the show on the road, we'll go. Yeah. Terrain. Geography is mostly broad, flat valleys with widely scattered small mountain ranges of mostly barren rock. <laughs> there is also a sand sea, the Gran Deserto, and the spectacular Pinacate volcanic field. The valleys are dominated by low shrubs, primarily chrysote. Uh, Crisote, Crisote bush. bush. Uh, I'm not going to read that. I'm part. really hitting you with a lot of Yeah, you are. Big and words. the white bursage. Uh, these are the two most drought tolerant plants in North America. Are those the, are those the ones that roll, uh, that create the, the tumbleweeds? Tumbleweeds. I have no clue. Yeah, Maybe. I have no idea. I just I'm just guessing. <laughs> uh, the Sonoran Desert is home to numerous biomes you wouldn't expect for a desert: tundra, coniferous forest, temperate, uh, deciduous, deciduous forest, grasslands, chaparral, chaparral, <laughs> desert thorn scrub, and tropical forest. We've like switched roles here. Normally, you're having trouble with words, and <laughs> yeah, I'm teasing no, you. I'm, I'm feeling good today. This is just, yeah, you're yeah. feeling good. You're like, <laughs> I loaded it up. You're screwed. So what are the types of dangers outside of just being in the desert? Uh, some of the animals, you have a bark scorpion, bobcats, coyotes, desert tortoise, diamondback rattlesnakes, gila monsters, mule deer, and the tarantula. So I also, I sense, um, oh, I don't have that in, did I miss putting that in here? Um I had some, oh, it's down here further. Kind of tips to do if you get bit by a rattlesnake. All right, we'll get to that one. <laughs> okay, sorry. Does <laughs> it suck it out? Yeah. <laughs> that was the old way. Yeah. <laughs> um, tips for safely hiking in the Sonoran De- Desert. Avoid hiking in temps over 89 degrees. So you never want to set on a hike if the temps are already past 90. Above 90 is considered in the danger zone. You'll now, start hearing Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you are on point. You beat me to a Kenny Loggins yeah. reference. <laughs> I'm going to pause real quick. I saw a meme that was hilarious yeah. and it was the cover of Kenny Loggins Christmas album called December. And it was, it said, I was really disappointed to see that Kenny Loggins named his album December and not highway to the manger zone. This <laughs> 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 is a That's pretty solid good. Christmas Kenny Loggins joke. That's awesome. So, all right. Even with the dry weather, it can feel much hotter with the intense sunshine. Most trailheads have temperature gauge, which will let you know the risk level based on the current temps. So if it's over 89, do not attempt. Yes. You want to head out at sunrise. The massive difference between the low and the high temps for the day can vary by as much as 30 degrees. Because of the ground absorbing the sun's heat all day, Sunrise hikes are preferable to sunset hikes. It's much, much cooler in the morning hours, not to mention quieter and less crowded as well. Keep it short. First-time desert hikers will want to keep it short. This also goes for anyone hiking during the hot summer season. With the intense sunshine, heat, dry conditions, uneven rocks, landscapes, a desert hike can feel much longer. You're going to want to bring lots of water for very (laughs) obvious reasons. Yep. Um, and you also want to bring some salty food or snacks. It's important you eat more salty snacks to restore electrolytes, especially if you're drinking extra water. Because if you don't have electrolytes, the water won't absorb into your body. Or you can bring electrolyte-infused water Yeah, if you're rich. <laughs> uh, you can buy specialty energy cubes at all sports stores that simply pack your own. Trail mix, pretzels, crackers, peanut butter packets, a few recommendations and choice. 
For longer hikes, you want to carry an electrolyte replacement drink or energy bar. Now, <laughs> what to do if you see a rattlesnake? Uh, if you're our buddy, Ben, you jump 15 feet in the air and <laughs> yeah. have a vertical that beats most NBA players due to adrenaline Yes, uh, when you see it. Uh, but the best way to avoid getting bit is to watch where you put your feet so you don't have to jump at a five-foot vertical away from it. That's how people get bit, by putting their hands and feet in a place without looking first. Yeah, that's the real, the easiest way to prevent a rattlesnake bite is just do what we've always kind of said. Be aware of your surroundings yeah. when you're hiking. They're anyways. usually just sunning themselves and chilling. Yeah, and they, not, you know their colors kind of blend in with the ground, so it might not be obvious that there's a rattlesnake near yeah. where you're standing. Um, so you'll find out if you get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you do get bit, so if you do get it wrong, realize that you have lots of time and the bite is very rarely fatal. This is news to me. It's a serious thing and you need to seek immediate medical attention, but you don't want to run. You want, you don't want to get your heart rate up. Ah, that makes sense. Just quickly, but calmly make your way to the hospital by driving yourself or calling 911 and get yourself to a place where they can monitor you and give you appropriate treatment. Yeah. So I, I, I knew you didn't want to panic and get your heart rate up. I I don't remember that it, you know, I thought it was a little more serious. Obviously, it is serious, but yeah, I think um, it must be a slower reaction than some poison. Well, you know, and they make device. little plunger devices that will suck it out. Yeah. And from what I remember reading in my manuals <clears throat> is you can make actually take a knife and yeah. make two small slits over the fang marks okay. with a knife, which won't feel good. But if you're going to, if you can't get to a hospital yeah, and then it will open up the the skin more and then you can place a suction device and pull it out okay because i do know how the snake venom kills you is it clots your blood oh so like if they you can go on youtube and see it they'll put snake venom in with blood and it like clots it up immediately so and i'm if assuming that, if that clot travels up to your heart that's how it kills you You could also tourniquet yourself yes to slow it 100 percent. you can yeah. do that cool so be aware of scorpions scorpions are nocturnal creatures so you're unlikely to see one on the trail unless you are hiking at night if you do come across one do keep your distance i've been stung by a scorpion it sucks <laughs> it's like 10 bees stinging in the same spot i bet uh wear the right type of clothing closed toe hiking and athletic shoes long sleeved shirts and long pants in light colors and wide brim hat provide the best protection now, people never understand this. Yeah. You do not want your skin exposed. It burns, and when your skin burns, it releases more water than sweating. Yeah. So if your skin's exposed to the sun, even if it's not burning yet, you release more water than sweating when it's covered. And have you ever tried hiking when you're sunburned or trying to sleep in a like a crappy tent when you're sunburned? With sand? With sand in the sheets? and it's hot. It's, it's like, not fun. Yeah, you want sunburn back <laughs> and then sleep on sandpaper? Yeah. That's what's going to happen if you don't dress appropriately. So, um, so there we go. Let's let's learn about Dan. <laughs> We're learning about so our uh, subject of this case is Daniel Robinson. Um, he was 24 years old. He went missing on June 23rd of 2023. He was a male uh, African American. Tw- tw- 21. Oh, 20, tw- June 23 sorry. hasn't happened yet. Sorry, he <gasps> was uh, predicting missing. <laughs> he went missing on June 23 of 2021. He was uh, five foot eight. 165 pounds. He has brown eyes, uh, black hair. He uh, grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, we don't know. He didn't really have any gear on him because he wasn't out hiking. He was actually on the job. So um, safe to assume, unless he had something in his car, he didn't have any survival gear with him. Um, he uh, 
Family and friends said he was a keen outdoorsman, musician, and traveler who was always close with his family uh, and remained in constant contact with his parents and siblings. Um, he did have, a, I guess you could call this a medical issue. Part of his right forearm and hand were missing as a result of a birth defect. So, um, yeah, but it's not new. So he's probably like, no, somebody, he, he probably lived with it just fine. Born with it. That's yeah. their reality. They, he didn't know what it was like with two hands. So I'm sure he probably functioned just fine. Yeah. Um, if it was like a recent injury or yeah. something, then it would maybe be of note. So he uh, graduated from uh, College of Charleston in 2019 with a major in archaeology. He then attended a course in Tucson and soon after was offered a job by the engineering firm Matrix New World. And that's where he ended up, uh, he was, I guess his title was geologist. And he was working on a well, which I'm assuming is a water well. Though I I don't know, I I don't think there's oil in that part of Arizona, but I could be wrong. Yeah, if they're by the city, I'm guessing it was working in the well. So we'll jump right into timeline. That is kind of just a little uh, quick description of Daniel himself. So it's June 23rd, 2021, around between 9.15 and 9.30 a.m. Daniel Robinson and his coworker, Ken Elliott, who was a pump technician, were assessing a remote drill site in the Sonoran Desert west of Phoenix. It was kind of located near the town of Buckeye, Arizona. Yeah, I got that pulled up. Which Joe has pulled up for anyone watching this on YouTube. Uh, this was only his second day on the job. Uh, Ken would go on to describe to authorities that Daniel was initially fine as they discussed things like the weather and the job. Uh, Ken Elliott went on to say that it was an abnormally cool day for the area, and Ken had never met Robinson before and they were to work on a deep well. But within a short period, Robinson became distracted. Um, Elliot went on to quote, he was just looking off into the desert. He had a very, very distant look in his eyes. Whenever he'd, whenever he'd turn around again, I would look at him and look into his eyes. The first thing I thought was maybe it was drugs or something, but his pupils weren't dilated. From that standpoint, everything appeared to be normal. Then I thought this was a medical condition or something, I wasn't too sure. I kept watching him, but he just kept turning around and looking off into the desert. Then he just turned around and walked back over to his Jeep. And I just assumed he was going to get something out of his vehicle. And he opened the door, got in, sat down, put on his seatbelt, then looked at me and just waved, uh, backed up and took off. At that point, Robinson drove off in his blue Jeep Renegade. Elliot told his coworkers by phone about uh, phone what had happened and assuming that Daniel wasn't feeling well and would call in sick. However, no one heard from Daniel after that. He was reported missing to the Buckeye Police Department the same day. Elliot later followed Daniel's Jeep tracks uh, in the rain-soaked dirt around... Uh, in the rain-soaked dirt... Let me start that over. <laughs> having trouble now. It has been like a month <laughs> since we've done this. Yes. We're so, always a little off. <clears throat> Elliot later followed Daniel's Jeep tire tracks in the rain-soaked dirt road and uh, found that instead of going left at a T-junction to, uh, to Phoenix, he actually went right deeper into the Sonoran Desert. So first problem, there's Phoenix is not that far away from where, I mean, they're in a remote area, but, you know, one direction takes you to a, a huge city and the other direction just off into nothing. There's mm-hmm. literally nothing the other direction. So... Um, 
The search and rescue operation kicked off pretty quick in this case. Uh, it was led by the Buckeye Police Department. They had a lot of different assets at their disposal. They were using UTVs, cadaver dog, uh, cadaver dogs, searchers on foot, and drones flying overhead, along with assistance in the air from the Phoenix Firebird helicopters and the Civil Air Patrol. But uh, the Civil Air Patrol actually didn't check in until later uh, in the search. Okay. And I think Joe will show some pictures uh, that we have of the search and of uh, Daniel himself. So it is now June 24th of 2021. Uh, Tempe police were dispatched to check Robinson's apartment on June 24th, but they actually never went inside. Uh, So the search continued for several weeks. Family members traveled from the East Coast to Arizona to join the search, which at this point had covered uh, an area of 70 square miles. So this is, it's just nothing. Yeah. They're like, look at this map. It's like, okay, I don't know where that is. So, I mean, that looks like, I think it's got the roads named. Um, that might be the West Cactus Road. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see if I can find West Cactus Road. So your original map that you had pulled up, you had the junction of the Parkway and West Cactus Road. Yeah. So nope, it's not that one. No, that zoomed in the Buckeye. It's kind of north of Buckeye. So I think I see what it. So one of the roads has to be the Parkway. What's oh, that's that? A, that's what, yeah. Valley Parkway, S, Sun Valley Parkway. Yeah. So that where that road intersects with um, the other road is kind of where they were. So there we go. Sun Valley Parkway, Buckeye, Arizona. That's a good start. Oh, yeah. It's way over. There we there go. We that go. makes more sense. Yep. But yeah, it's desolate. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, there's nothing Are those out train there. Train tracks? Or is that, no, that's the, that's the parkway. Okay. This is just like a dirt road that goes yeah. parallel. So wow, that is a whole lot of nothing. Whole lot of nothing. Um, and so, like I said, family members were uh, flying out from the East Coast, and the search area now was up to uh, 70 square miles. Detectives did say they had obtained a ping from Daniel's phone, but were unable to track it due to the phone being off or out of range. So the law enforcement actually was able to get a warrant to get phone records and they learned that he had yeah, not. It's right here. Okay. That's a substation. So they last saw him on the road. And the job site was up here. Yeah. Right here. So, yeah, very remote. And we actually have a video of a gentleman from um, Web Sleuths who actually went out here and recorded. Um, yeah, there it is. Oh, is that the that well? Was, this is the job site, yeah. So. Yeah, we, and we have a video. We'll just kind of play in the background of kind of the area to give you a sense of how desolate and remote this area is. Um, oh, no, this is this is it. Sorry. Oh, is that the pump? That's station the pump, yeah. Or the drill site? Yep. Uh, so, like I said, uh, police were able to obtain call records for Daniel, and they learned that he had not made any calls or texts after leaving the job site. Um, detectives, along with Daniel's family, worked to obtain phone and financial information but did not locate any information which would aid in locating him. Uh, what map you got up here? This might just be a, a is search a zoom, grid. Is it, yeah, it's a search grid zoomed out. Yeah. That was the job site. So Buckeye this, police. Yeah. So it's just farther out. It's just a grid map. Yep. Of like this view right here. Yeah. 
Um, so God, that search would have been terrible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, they didn't find any financial information or any phone records from his personal or work phone since his disappearance. Um, his family and friends and coworkers said that in the days prior to his disappearance, he was not like himself, but said there is no indication that he wished harm um, to himself or wanted to leave the area. Uh, several mine shafts were actually searched in the area too, but there was no sign of Daniel. And um, we had some pictures. Uh, the police department posted a few pictures of the mine search. I think if you go out one folder. Okay. Um, mine shaft search. You did a great job labeling. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, yeah. He's looking in the mine shaft. Yep. Looking yep, in the. There he is. So he's, there you go. Um, probably some kind of camera on the end of that string. <laughs> so. Yep. Um. But, yeah, so they searched mine shafts and obviously didn't find anything. Um, we have a press release from the Buckeye Police Department. Uh, Buckeye Police conducted targeted searches this week in an effort to locate Daniel Robinson, who has been missing since June 23rd. These searches took place in the desert area where Daniel's um, vehicle was recovered. We didn't get to that yet. Um, investigators focused on locations where volunteer search crews reported their tracking dogs had previously alerted. Uh, Buckeye P Buckeye's PD... Uh, did follow up with searches, and they found no evidence of Daniel. Uh, today, investigators used a robot equipped with a camera to search two mine shafts, one of them more than 75 feet deep. They also found no sign of Daniel. So um, kind of interesting. They were using some kind of robot to search the mine shaft. Um, so now it is July 7th of 2021, and police actually finally entered Robinson's home roughly two weeks after he was reported missing and didn't find any evidence um, leading to them to, they didn't, they didn't find any evidence to his whereabouts. So nothing out of the ordinary. Oh, they're like still thinking maybe he's not in it. Like maybe he just left and went home and didn't tell anybody. And yeah. At this point, um, his car had not been found yet. So they really had no theories. Oh, other they than thought like, all right, maybe he just, he just drove, drove off, off a weird way and yeah. he got home. So, um, this is also around the time when the civil air patrol, which yeah, that's a weird SAR situation where they're not even sure if the person's actually missing. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough, I mean, he drove down a dirt road into a, a desert, like in a, in, in the conditions were pretty wet. Yeah. So tracks probably weren't preserved. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> like, yeah, I give them credit for, the size of the search with the limited information that they, yeah. they had. So, um, oh, now you're pulling up stuff yeah, for the uh, vehicle. Right, right. I'll, uh, wait, I'll wait. <laughs> so, I'll wait. Uh, it is now July 19th of 2021. So almost a month after Daniel disappeared, a rancher called, um, a rancher by the name of Brandon Shelton found his 27 G 2017 Jeep Renegade with uh, the license plate NLA to CMA in a ravine. It was just four miles from the work site where he was last seen, but Daniel was not at the scene. The Jeep had landed on its side with significant damage. Uh, police said the seatbelt had been worn at the time, and the airbags were found deployed. One of Robinson's size 11.5 Red Wing work boots was stuck under the truck. Shelton, whose cattle graze 14,000 acres in the Buckeye area, is convinced the car had only been in the ravine um, that leads to the 
the river on his property a short while when he came across it saying it was clean and my cows would have would have found it cows are inquisitive creatures and would have licked it so he uh he thinks it was relatively clean but the family actually hired a private investigator and they've they went into the black box of the jeep and it doesn't seem like the jeep had been wait there's a black box in jeeps black there's a black box in all cars like really? Really? Pretty sure, yeah. I can tell you like... Or is it like just the car's computer? Well, it's not like a black box in an airplane. Okay, that's what you made me think. I'm like... It's not like recording like (laughs) conversations in the the cabin of the car, but... It's like what radio stations you've been listening to? It records like the time of an accident. Okay. um, Things like that. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, That's kind of cool and creepy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm probably wrong on it. I, I thought almost all cars... You keep talking. I'll look it up and I'll correct you if I saw other people... Uh, so like we said, the, the rancher thinks the Jeep was there, you know, pretty recently, but I have my doubts about when the Jeep got there just based on what the private investigator found. But the Jeep was found in an area that had already been searched with police saying because of the rough terrain, the vehicle was not clearly visible to crews searching by Aaron foot. Uh, the vehicle contained Robinson's clothes, phone, wallet, keys, and a bottle of water. T-shirt, jeans, turned inside out, shorts, orange work vest, boots, and uh, two mismatched black socks were all located. One of the socks was a Nike and the other uh, was an Adidas. According to police, this is strange, the cell phone was missing a memory card and wiped clean. However, police were reportedly able to still download some files from the phone, which showed he was texting a girl and showed up at her home. And I actually have more information on that as well. All right. Coming up. So here's a little more detail from... Real quick, you are correct. Car black box uh, collects driving information before, during, and after a collision. There you go. The device's formal name is the Event Data Recorder. There we go. I, I thought... It's I th- speed, acceleration, braking, steering, and airbag activation are recorded. Yeah, it's not like continuously recording. Yeah, um, it says it does like 20 seconds before an accident. So it's probably a rolling... Record yeah, so it, it that has is deleting constantly it, until a thing happens. Any given point, it has twenty seconds of data, and then if an accident happens, then it starts recording. Yeah. So it said it they can generally, generally record up to only three events before older events automatically erase themselves. Cool. So, neat. So well, I didn't know about that. The more you know. Oh, and you can remove them legally. Oh, you There's can. no law that says you can't. So if you don't want that in your car, uh. Look up how to remove it, and it won't affect your car's driving, according wow. to the website I looked up. All right. Uh, so <clears throat> so we do actually have the police report for this disappearance, and we've got some more detailed information on the condition of the vehicle. Uh, do you notice how I thought, like, finding a car in the desert would be easy? Look at that. That's the car. Zoom, zoom in on that. That's the car. That's, That's as far as let me zoom. That would be incredibly hard to see from the air. Yeah, and someone on Web Sleuths, said that the law in Arizona, and this may be in everywhere in the U.S., but specifically in this area, is the search helicopters were not allowed to go below 500 feet. So, is Oh, it probably messes with the ecosystem. I don't know if it... It might just be a law that they can't fly that low. So That's that, my guess is because it would, like, rip up shrubs and stuff. All the sand, but yeah. for whatever reason. We don't know why they can't go below 500 feet, and I'm not 100% positive on... That law, maybe Joe can uh, look that up. Oh, I'm, I'm looking talking. it up. But if that is true, that would make a lot of sense why they may have missed this. Because that picture you showed, 
That first that one? was lower than 500 looking, feet. So that was probably like a drone shot from the cops. I've been looking at that picture all day and didn't know the car was in it. <laughs> well, Mike, it literally has a big red arrow pointing. <laughs> Go back to the other one. So yeah, See that giant red arrow pointing to where the car is in the ravine. I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, this could be 500 feet, and then uh, uh, it zoomed in like in like a camera. Yeah. So let's guess real quick, um, why they can't. I'm gonna like, go with it. Just kicks up too much sand, and, and you think it would like go into the rotors and actually, yeah, or it obscure the pilot's ability to fly it. Mm, okay. Is it a real law? I, I'm not, I'm not no. there yet. I'm just saying. Let's guess before we go. So while Joe's looking that up, I will give a, a more detailed description of the vehicle per the police report. So uh, the vehicle was facing northwest. The vehicle had significant damage and appeared to have had a front impact with the dirt and rolled before resting. On the passenger side, one piece of the Jeep's black removable roof was on the ground, partially wedged under the front of the Jeep. The driver's front window was shattered, and uh, I, the police detective writing this report, located glass on the ground consistent with the Jeep rolling one time. There was also substantial damage to the lower front end and damage to the top of the windshield and roof. After some further investigation, detectives believe that Daniel's vehicle left the dirt roadway where it ended south of his job site near an open dirt area and proceeded up the hillside. It appeared that he drove over several bushes before ending up in the ravine. The vehicle was still in drive when it was found. I observed a pair of jeans inside out, two brown work-type boots, a faded orange vest with the company logo, a T-shirt, and two socks, which were inside out. I could see the outline of what appeared to be a wallet in the pocket of the jeans. I walked the same path to the vehicle which uh, Redacted had walked and did not observe any person inside the vehicle. It was relatively clean. The outside, um, clean on the outside, but there had been three or more big rains in the area since Daniel went missing. There was evidence of rain damage on the inside of the Jeep and a hard hat inside was filled with rainwater. I located Daniel's Samsung Galaxy S10 cell phone, the vehicle, and apartment keys, and a backpack with Daniel's work laptop and other documents inside. There were also other miscellaneous items inside the car, like clothing, a basketball, unopened water bottles, and other items. I did not observe any blood or other evidence of an injury despite the substantial damage to the vehicle. I checked the area and did not observe any indication that Daniel spent a considerable amount of time at the vehicle. There were no empty water bottles or other items other than Daniel's clothing in the area. There were no tracks immediately surrounding the vehicle that weren't made by the caller or detectives. So, uh, the ravine was searched on the ground by foot and in the air by the Department of Public Safety Ranger helicopter, but they found no trace of Robinson. And like the police report said, there was no blood found uh, in the car, and there was no indication of foul play. So very strange circumstance Okay, with the car. So how's the hunt going for? I am deep into some DHS.gov laws about <laughs> uh, Sonoran pronghorn. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if there's a law yet. Okay, well. But they said um, engine failure can occur if dust and sand get kicked up in the engine. So it might just be less of a law and more like it's very dangerous to fly a helicopter at low altitudes in the desert because it can suck up into the engines and you get engine failure. Yeah. So either way, I heard that on the web sleuths forum. I, a lot of times it's 
a great tool to find a lot of people post news articles and police reports and things. So mm-hmm. um, whether this gentleman who said that it's true or not, but it does make sense in a very sandy, dusty environment that um, you wouldn't want to fly too low because, well, and the other thing, you know, I'm thinking of is if you're kicking up all that dust and dirt, you're not going to be able to see what you're searching for. Yeah. You cover so, tracks and things like that. So you probably want to be high enough that you don't disturb the ground because that would hamper your ability to conduct the search. So, yeah. Um, all right. So fast forward now to July 31st. Oh, uh, Joe, do you want to play a little snippet of that video? Yeah. And then we'll just let it run this in the background. The, yeah, this is, we'll, we'll hear some audio in the beginning. Um, but this guy went to all the sites, the job site where he was last seen and then where the Hello. crash was. My name is Jeff Brunton. I go by JJ Ray on Web Sleuths and just Jeff AZ on IG and uh, pixels.com. I thought uh, after so many months of working on a Daniel Robinson case, I would come out and show everybody uh, pretty much the main sites and the key points. Right now I'm at Cactus and Sun Valley Parkway and I'm facing west and you can kind of see just pretty much the general terrain, a lot of creosote bushes, uh, small mesquites up in this area. They get larger uh, further down toward the Hacienda. I'm panning south now, and basically about five miles south from here is Tarteso subdivision. And if we keep panning and we go to the southeast and we face east, these are the White Tank Mountains. It's the most predominant feature closest to the work site, the well site, and to the wreck site. Further north, to the north um, east we're facing is Festival, development by Dale Webb, directly north. You're going to find a cap a central map. Arizona it pumping station. Like the wreck site was the other side of the freeway. About four like or five miles. You would pass over the freeway. Yeah. We've got some Luke Air so Force. So I'm going to turn the volume off. We can keep going because right he's just going to over-explain the whole area. But yeah, for those of you just listening, he's just spinning around in a circle at that road, uh, Cactus Road, where he mentioned off the, the freeway section. And you heard there's there's some traffic, so it's not like it's it's in but the middle of nowhere. Where, this isn't where the the yeah, site he was like a mile though. south or something like that. Yeah, so the site you looked it up is more yeah. remote. Yeah, it's you have to get off the beaten path, but it's not like they're. It's weird because they're out in the middle of nowhere, but like there's a highway. Yeah, right within a couple miles, and he's in a car, so it's not cra- like he drove twenty miles on a dirt road to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's you know only several miles off, and I mean there's decent traffic when he was filming this video, so it's kind of weird. It's like in between, I don't know. It's desolate, but it's you very have desolate. A highway that you can get out of there. Yeah, like it wouldn't. Getting lost would be hard in a car if you're on the roads. It seems like this is yeah. my opinion, but based on looking at this, yeah, it's desolate, but there's there's dirt roads entire. I mean, tracks you could get lost if you drove down some of these dirt roads. They probably go for dozens of miles. Yeah, and, and you you don't know where you're going, but um, yeah, I agree. I mean. And that's why it's puzzling because Daniel didn't drive towards Phoenix. He drove west deeper into the desert. So um, so I'm going to go on with the timeline here. So like I said, we're fast forwarding to July 31st of 2021. And a human skull was found, actually. 
but they did further testing and determined that it was not Daniel's. And the identity of whoever's skull it was still remains unknown. So <laughs> they found another um, missing person, potentially. This is like the third or fourth episode where they went searching for one person, just found other people. Yeah, it's it's a little little spooky. Yeah. So around the end of July of 2021, the family hired a private investigator. Um, his name was Jim McGrath. He was a former police officer who specialized in accident investigations. Based on GPS data, he discovered that the Jeep had gotten into multiple accidents after Daniel's disappearance. Uh, but before it fell down the ravine. Evidence from the vehicle showed that it crashed, the airbags were deployed, then it drove another 11 miles and was involved in another crash. The first collision was four hours after Daniel went missing, uh, while there uh, was also some paint transfer from the vehicle. After the first accident, though, it's unknown whether, it's unknown where the vehicle was taken next, McGrath said that the airbags were deployed. The ignition was turned on at least 46 more times during the extra 11 miles driven. So very erratic behavior, um, you know, in a car. So to, to recap that, it, they discovered that it got into multiple accidents before it ended up in the ravine. And um, it drove... I wonder what the sensitivity is because if he was off-roading... Yeah, like, know. were they recorded as accidents, but it was just... I would imagine it's probably... They've probably engineered it to be <laughs> I really wish accurate. I still had my Jeep. Yeah. Because after I jumped it off that jump, I'd love to see if that was recorded as an accident. Right. Because everything in the car hit the ceiling. <laughs> my guess is there's sensors throughout the car that have to record some kind of collision. Um, yeah. But like we said, it was uh, then driven for another 11 miles and involved in another crash. And the first collision, like I said, it only happened four hours after Daniel went missing. So um, something strange happened. Uh, it is now... Oh, so that is kind of the end of the timeline. Um, his remains haven't been found. And uh, very strange circumstances around his Jeep being found. And then, like we said, January 7th of 2023, just a few days ago, um, we're recording this on January 10th of 2023. Human reins were found by a Facebook user named Penny Buffington. I um, I put the picture in the drive, but I wouldn't show it right now. Um, a lot of people online, some of the news organizations showed it, and people got pretty upset. It's not even related to the case. Yeah. I mean, like, technically, if they already determined it's not him. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, we you, don't know, have to. you know, it's somebody's parent or brother or sister we're yeah. not going to show it i mean if you really want to go see it it's some of the major news channels out of arizona have it on their website so yeah um you can do that on your own time if you so choose um the father has come out and said that these aren't daniel's remains and i believe he's not basing this on probably dna evidence yet because it there's no way that's been conducted um Based on what was found in Daniel's car, it, it sounds like he stripped his clothing off. And it sounds yeah. like the remains that were just found had clothing either on the remains or around where the bones were found. Yeah. So. Um, I'll back up on that. There's a nice still of the. I'll let it play through. So 
we we will find out at, at some point. They will they'll get those those bones analyzed, and we'll know. Yeah, we can do an update. Uh, yeah, so we'll update everyone. So before Joe and I get into theories, um, oh yeah. So it, it yeah, that's a major quite damage. a roll. And you can clearly see that it it got into accidents before going into that ravine. Unless it was rolling. Well, the black box said it got into multiple accidents. Well, that's where that's where I'm wondering. So I'm gonna (laughs) do just because this is funny. Here is. (laughs) So is that an accident? Hold on, let's let's get audio. Let me restart. How do I restart it? Here we go. Ready. Because you can hear it. it oh, sick. my God. <gasps> <laughs> it slammed down oh and everything, like, God. I was worried stuff broke in it. I'm wondering if that would record as an accident. Because, I, I mean, got, I got quite a bit of air on that Your jump. airbags didn't deploy. I feel like for Good point. A, if, that, if that was, like, the precursor yeah. for it to work. So... Um, I just wanted to show that video. Yeah. <laughs> I just love... I want, like, 20,000 people to know I did that in a Jeep. That's uh, really why. Yeah. <laughs> Don't... Yeah, you owned it, wink, wink. Yes. <laughs> You're not supposed to say the wink, wink. <laughs> um, so, investigators believe something triggered Robinson to go into the desert where he stripped off and wandered away from his car, but Jeff McGrath said that theory made no sense. He's, he goes on to quote, if you're delirious and ripped off all your clothes and wandered into the desert, you wouldn't stick one of your shoes under the car. My personal theory is that someone deliberately wrecked that vehicle out there. McGrath believes Robinson was upset about the rejection of a woman and went on an all-night video game binge. <laughs> so the Buckeye police report What's state, the th- like the basis for that? Well, I'm getting to it. Okay, I was like, that's a very specific <laughs> yeah. thing to say, and I haven't heard anything so far that would yeah, back so, that up. Uh, a Buckeye police report states that Daniel met a woman named Caitlin while he was making deliveries for Instacart and dropped off an order for her uh, home. Uh, Caitlin said she and her friend were drunk and they invited Robinson inside and they later exchanged numbers. Within a week, he arrived at her house unannounced and began sending her text saying, I couldn't stop thinking about you and I love you. She tried to rebuff him by saying, honestly, you showing up at my house unannounced made me extremely uncomfortable I don't see us hanging out anytime soon. The next day, he turned up at her house again. Do you? He, he wrote, "Do you hate me?" Um, Daniel replied, "I don't. I don't hate you, but please leave me alone." That's Caitlin replied uh, in a text. He took 15 hours to respond with his final text to her. 18 hours after after that final text, he disappeared. McGrath said of the events after he drove off. At that point, I think somebody, not a good person, found him. I can't imagine what they did with him, but I believe his vehicle was crashed a couple of times, and then its final rest was at the bottom of the ravine. McGrath found another black Nike sock three miles away in the desert. He cannot explain it, but it is another reason he believes there is more to this case than meets the eye. McGrath and Daniel's family believe the Buckeye police did not carry out a thorough investigation into Robinson's mysterious disappearance. They pointed out that Daniel's clothes, possessions, and car were handed over to his father as soon as he arrived in Arizona. However, Robinson's brother, Roger, believes police are doing what they can to find him now, but he fears it's too little too late. Had they been quick about it in the beginning, you know we wouldn't 
be here three months later, still searching for my brother and still looking for answers. So that is the case of Daniel Robinson. Okay. So what do you think happened? (laughs) (laughs) This is, um, making me remember of the last time we had someone just run off into the desert. Terrence. Yeah. That was north, though, wasn't that? That wasn't. Isn't that Washington State? Wyoming. Wyoming. Okay, yeah, so he was up on there. the set for a Discovery Channel show. Okay, so that was. So I immediately, I'm trying to think of some reasonable theories and then some off the deep end theories. Yeah. Um, reasonable theory. Where did it say he grew up? Columbia, South Carolina. So reasonable theory. He's working the desert. Um, it's only his second day, though. Only his second day, but he went out, met a girl, apparently, in the area. Well, was he out drinking? Met is a... Okay, but regardless, yeah. he was out partying, maybe, drinking. Not saying that's a bad thing, but imagine being hungover and working in the desert. Yeah. Wouldn't uh, be fun. It wouldn't be fun. It could make you delirious. It could make you make stupid decisions, so he... You know, but it was if, an unseasonably cool day uh, as far as deserts was go. Unseason- yeah, as far as <laughs> deserts go. Yeah. Um, and if he's like in the throes of some heartbreak because he wants to meet this girl and she's rejecting him, like you combined all that stuff. And I think it's hard for, I'll say us to realize because I don't think we've ever overreacted to a girl before. Yeah. I, know, I knew you through college. We never yeah. had. But like, you know, in college when you would meet the dudes who would fall apart yeah. over a girl. Like, would literally, like, go a little crazy. Well, look at throughout history. like uh, uh, In general, but I'm just saying, like, young men. Men have started wars over women. Yes. I mean. But I'm just saying, like, we've all known dudes who've, yes. like, kind of lost it temporarily for a few days. So if he's in the middle of this getting rejected, um, not feeling secure, maybe hungover. And again, I'm this is all speculation. Yeah. I'm making stuff up here because I'm just trying to make sense maybe of this. Maybe he had an undiagnosed... Um, psychological issue that no one knew about you know he's under stress working in hot conditions um and just maybe he's like i'm gonna go for a drive and i tell him maybe he's completely delirious and goes and just drives off and he's smashing around in the desert like just kind of driving violently yeah maybe he just got angry and he just like went 100 miles an hour down a dirt road and like Lost it. Yeah. I I think that it doesn't explain the multiple crashes. It doesn't explain the multiple crashes or where he went. Yeah. Or did he crash? Uh, Well, actually they kind of does. Cause if he crashed like that, looking at the car, I'm going to, I'm not sharing my screen anymore. So I'll pull that back up. Um, I mean, it's wedged in there pretty crazily. So if he just climbed out of there, um, maybe he was hot and he's like, I'm going to take my clothes off and go wander off into the desert well, maybe um, he was dehydrated at this point and was starting to yeah, not think clearly. He's, he's making bad decisions, and he's the, like... The okay. fact that he found his sock three miles away from the crash site leads me to think he... And do they know it was his, though? No. See, that's where... Yeah. But it was a Nike sock. It was a Nike sock, and <clears throat> who else was out there Yeah, in that spot? So it could be. But again, it's just... That, to me, is like a reasonable explanation of what could have happened. That's a lot of what-ifs to come together to make that happen. Yeah. Um, More off the deep end... I immediately started looking up at there's the vortices in that area. Oh, no. <laughs> Vile vortices. Yeah, I remember those. <laughs> so, like, I know in Sedona, they claim that there's that stuff there. There's the energy that makes you think weird. And, and um, I've had friends, I won't say their names, because they are normal. I'll, I'll say normal people, like, not constantly into that type of stuff, that they went to an area in Arizona, 
I don't remember where. Yeah. But they were vacationing there and they were doing side by side, you know, where you do the UTVs and you're yeah. driving through the desert and stuff. <clears throat> and they both said when they got to certain areas, they got really angry. Like oh, they were man. having a great time and they started yeah. getting mad and they were listening to our show and they were listening to one where they started to talk about vile vortices. Cause they called me like, Oh my God, like I don't believe in this stuff, but I was in that area where yeah. you guys said there was one and we felt weird. Yeah. And they were still in the area and they like locals were like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know how locals are when yeah. there's a cool thing in your area. So again, yeah. take that for what you want to take it. To me, that's the off the deep end of he was affected by a vile vortice or something. I like the off the deep end. I'll, yeah. For my off the deep end, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Ooh, you're on the off the deep end train. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, I think the more logical thing is, obviously, his behavior with this woman he had just met is not normal. Yeah. Um, she's obviously rebuffing him, and he's not getting it. He's still showing up. Yeah. So, obviously, he has something going on there. I think... You know, maybe other things in his life were going on at the time that people weren't aware of that. And this kind of thing with this woman kind of just finally he snapped and he left the job site. We don't know what he did before the car crash, but he got yeah. into multiple accidents. So he must mm -hmm. have been, you know, sometimes if you get delirious with rage, it causes you to not think clearly Could that's where i've never had that happen no but I i've haven't. i've seen i've it, seen it firsthand it happens of people that start yeah. doing weird crap and you're like oh my god that's combine, dangerous you know combine um you know um, a man's obsession with a woman which like joe and i have talked about we've seen with you know friends in our lives but there's ample evidence throughout history of men doing incredibly There's a whole different Bible because of that. <laughs> James Bible exists because stupid of, of stupid decisions. Men throughout the yeah. history of time have done incredibly stupid things over women. The, the pursuit of women. And I'm trying to think of the ruler of Rome that basically started a war over Cleopatra. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's medieval stories. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't, yep. won't go into that, but it, so combine maybe, that obsession he had with this woman he had just met with just this rage that just came over him. And he, he would cause you to be, have impaired driving. If, sure. So maybe he was just flying down the road, hitting stuff and smashing stuff, and then lost control, went up over this ridge. And off-roading's fun. So even if he wasn't like... Yeah. I mean... I think what happened uh, is he probably was dehydrated, and he, he hit a bunch of stuff in his car... Lost control, went over this ridge, landed in the ravine, probably hit his head hard enough to cause damage but not draw blood. You know, like if you hit your head really hard on the steering yeah, wheel, you're, you're not going to bleed. Yeah, it rings your bell, though. But probably if, throw you're, you off. if you're already dehydrated and you get a bad concussion, yeah, he is probably just in a very delirious state of mind at that point, which would maybe, for some reason, he decided to strip his clothes off and walk into the desert and... My guess is he just kept walking and they, you know, they had a lot of heavy rains. Perhaps he walked into an area that, you know, out in the desert when it rains, you can get flash floods like, yeah. like an instant. And maybe his remains were washed away in one of the flash floods. Yeah, uh, George uh, Land yeah. talks about that. He's a PIO of uh, right in the area, Joshua Tree yeah, National I mean, Park. So, like, in a heavy rain, this ravine probably be filled with water. Um, yeah. So... 
I think the most logical explanation is he, he injured his head in this crash and he was probably already dehydrated. He was filled with rage, just in a delirious state. He walked off into the desert, succumbed to the elements. And then I wonder if that delirium would be similar to when you, um, have, what's the cold thing? I am off today. I can't think. Hypo or hyperthermia? Hypothermia. Hypo. Um, because I've experienced that firsthand with people I was hiking with. I'm sure I've told this on the show, but I'll repeat it. When I was doing Long's Peak, uh, with three other guys, um, I was staying back with one guy to wait for someone who's behind on the trail as a storm hit. Yeah. So, Cause we didn't want to leave them in whiteout conditions while two other guys continued on. So we stayed, we stayed paired. We followed our rules and they were going to go set up the camp ahead of us. Yeah. And it was raining like sleeting. So you're getting wet and it started getting real cold. And when we started coming up around this bend, you know, they're 20 minutes ahead of us. Yeah. They were walking back and they were dressed completely differently. And we literally like, and these are guys I've known forever. They're great hikers. Yeah. They know what they're doing. And I'm like, where are you guys going? Like they should have been at camp. And they're yeah. like, we're going back to the car because our clothes are wet. We're five hours into a hike. Yeah. We're nowhere near the car. And and what they did was we got them warmed up and they told us, they realized like when you're warm up, they're remembering the decisions they're making. Yeah. They were soaking wet and they were at the campsite. Instead of pitching the tent, they took, the dry clothes out of their bags in the rain. Yeah. Took off their wet clothes and put on their dry clothes, <laughs> which then got wet. Yeah. Instead of setting up the tent. And then because those clothes got wet, they were going to hike out. Yeah. It would have been four hours. Yeah. They would have died. And they would have, yes, they would have gone. And and yeah. they're like, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Like they're, they've hiked with me a ton of times and they literally could not make, we are at altitude. They're in hypothermia. They're making horrible decisions. Like we were, we're like, Nope, come with me. Like I remember forcing them. They're just kind of like yeah. wandering aimlessly. Yeah. So honestly, I think I, I don't know about the foul play thing. I think it's more simple than that. I think it's a combination of he was dehydrated. Um, you yeah, know, I don't being think out, foul play. He's in the middle of nowhere. Maybe he was, you know, yeah. Dehydrated in a desert. That's going to dehydrate even more. Mm-hmm. He was clearly in a bad accident, multiple bad accidents. Yeah. Probably has a head injury. No blood, so not, you know. Yeah, they said his seatbelt was on, so doesn't even getting hit in the face with the airbags, like getting punched. Yeah. So, I mean, I and know that from being a firefighter and EMT. He could have hit the side of his head on the, yeah. the side. Um, yeah, on a rollover. Yeah. Uh, the contents of your car will do more damage to you than Yeah, the he could have gotten so, hit in the head with his laptop, his work yeah, laptop All was the in stuff there. in there becomes violent yeah. projectiles. So, just like because there's have, no blood, you can't assume that he didn't suffer a serious head injury. Really bad concussion combined with dehydration would cause him to just be delirious. And I think he walked off into the desert and then with the heavy rains they're having, his remains were washed out of the search area. They're probably I don't, still I don't even think they region. have to wash out. Think of um, Paul Miller's case. Or just, he was found pretty dang close to yeah. the trail. Oh, what a year, two years later almost. Yeah. And they searched thoroughly. Um, and it's I, based on that image from seeing the car from well, above, it's hard to find stuff. And I'll just say, I did view that image of the skeleton that was found a couple days ago. And um, to what you're saying, the skeleton was caked in mud. So it looked like oh, okay. it had been... It had been moved n- by... Not necessarily been moved, but like muddy water had been flowing by it. Okay. And you can just imagine if the remains were in a flash flood or had any muddy sand, um, you could that would make it even harder for searchers to find the remains. I, tr- I turned the screen off, so I'm going to go look at okay. it. I'm not sharing it. I, did I put it out? Oh, yeah. yeah. I just I didn't open it. Yeah, that's not... 
Okay. That would be tough. Definitely hard to see from air. Oh, a hundred percent. And you would I'm zooming out here and like, if it was the back of it, it would yeah. look like a rock. You would literally have to walk like, right by you it. You can't tell f- that that is what that is. Yeah. You would all. have to walk right by it to see it. And for anyone listening or watching, we're not actually showing the image just out of yeah. respect, but I just want to make the point that. Yeah. That it would be so hard to the find the difficulty that. to find remains that have been um, exposed to rains in this type of a environment would make it really hard. Um, so uh, that's my theory. I do. I do like the off the deep end, um, vile vortices. <laughs> um, I've never experienced something like that, but I mean, I've read lots of stories. Of I people. would love to hear the coworker yeah. like, give an interview to get an idea what type of guy he is not saying it's his fault. I'm sure he has, but, I... but those, but the dudes that work in that kind of situation are usually hard dudes. Yeah. They're probably like, if he's all like complaining about a girl, whatever, he's like probably not being nice to him. Yeah. Maybe he's like, you just get back to work. You know, we like, we gotta get this. If he's being like aggressive, maybe that tipped him over the edge. Maybe. Again, not saying it's his fault. Yeah. It could have been like all the things and the straw that broke the camel's back. The guy's kind of not nice to him on the job site. And I'm just thinking I've worked on job sites with doing concrete and roofs and stuff. Yeah. Those guys aren't nice, but that's <laughs> how they're built. Yeah. They'll call you names and crap like, Hey, why'd you give me that? Well, you idiot. Like, yeah. like there's not nice. So if he's like in all these weird States and then there's some dude jar, like jeering him a little bit. Yeah. He's probably like, screw this crap and drives off. Yeah. We don't, yeah, we won't know. Um, yeah. but so another, uh, another puzzling case, but you know, depending on what happens with this new skeleton that was discovered, uh, we may have closure in this case. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated with that. We'll for keep sure. you posted. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate all of you for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where you can find the videos for each of these episodes. Also, if you'd like to support the show monetarily, please visit our website or our Facebook store and buy some of our cool swag. Additionally, you can subscribe to our patron account on YouTube subscriptions, and on Apple subscriptions where you'll have access to special events, additional shows for paid customers only, and lastly, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.